0: Oh, <laughs> oh, Hello and welcome to the It's All Film and Games podcast. I am Corey. Alongside me is Sam, Samir, and Dane. Today, guys, we is the start of what I think will be a really fun series. We teased it at the end of our previous episode, and we're really leaning into the games part of our title, our our new rebranded title here. We're leaning into the games part, and we're gonna play what I think, you know, in my opinion, might is is the best game of any kind ever invented. And that is the game of Survivor Twister. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a close second. A close second.
1: Wait, just a quick tangent. Who do we think of us for is the best at Twister?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm I play a mean Twister.
1: Really? I feel like I feel like I'm, Dane would be. Yeah, a great I'm gonna Twister. say Dane is really. I, think, really I mean, good Dane's at definitely the
0: better athlete of the group. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think we can. I'm we long and slender.
2: We can say, Sam would be the worst. Like Sam's a very. <laughs> Yes. Ridgid, what why can you say that no we didn't say it but i just feel like i, <laughs> I am to not that. going off of our uh our <laughs> oh our Twitter post, my god i, I feel like you just need to keep up <laughs> yeah, the, thank the you
1: posting. is there anything you'd like to say about my mullet getting in the way or anything like that <laughs> nah, Dane? no
0: yeah, we, we didn't tease that as part of the clip. I don't think that was included. Was that part of the clip, the mullet? No,
1: unfortunately, that was that was about 20 minutes later after Dane had been mean to me. He just, I think that, like, I think at the good. very end, was just shitting on my hair.
0: Ho- hopefully people heard the clip. They they came for a bit of roasting, and then they, they stayed because they heard the, the mullet slam as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're not playing Twister. We're playing Survivor. Uh, A very dumbed-down version of Survivor, and in some ways it's barely a Survivor at all, but uh, I'll take any excuse to bring up that show, bring up that game, and so that is kind of uh, the slant we're taking tonight. Just a brief recap uh, about what we discussed at the end of our previous episode. If you missed that one, definitely go back and listen. I think it's one of our best so far. But basically what we're doing tonight is, uh, over the past week, um, each of us recommended a movie to the group, Uh, and we're going to discuss those movies tonight and whichever movie we like the least we will individually cast votes to eliminate that person whoever has the most votes against them will be eliminated and then next week we're going to do the same thing with the 3 of us and then 2 and we will crown a winner so this will be a total of 3 episodes tonight is the first in that series uh, and i think it'll be a lot of fun guys you can kind of think of tonight as like our tribal council of sorts you know if so we, we watched all the movies so this was that was sort of our week of of or not week but you know that was like our our day of of scheming and figuring things out and now here we are we're going to tribal council i'll be the jeff probst of the night and we're gonna sort of discuss these movies you're gonna make your case for why you think you deserve to stay maybe you know make a case for why you think a movie should be voted out you could really get get, uh, aggressive with this if you wanted to i mean it's all it's all up to you but um you know the idea was to bring a crowd pleaser, bring something that everyone in the group would like to some extent. You know, this is a pretty similar premise to what we did in our previous series, which you can go back and listen to as well, where we, we gifted Secret Santa films to everyone, where essentially there you wanted at least one person to like a specific film. But now you want the entirety of the podcast to like it. And so uh, that could be tough because we, as we've, we've discovered, I think, throughout our episodes, uh, we all have pretty different, you know, similar, but I think pretty different tastes um you know sometimes it, it's random sometimes you can't quite quite figure out uh why we might prefer one movie to another and so i'm really curious to see what everybody thinks of tonight's films. uh is there anything you guys want to want to say before we just jump right into it
1: you're going down cory <laughs>
0: oh i am uh, really i don't know well it's funny you should say that um because well i, I won't say anything just yet <laughs> Um, Wow! Before we get into it, the Stoic. I think the first film we're going to talk about tonight is the film that Dane brought for us, and I'm I'm excited to talk about this one for a number of reasons. One of them being that it is Dane's movie. Uh, We mentioned this during Dane's Secret Santa episode. You know, there was like a thought amongst a lot of us that there was almost a fear of disliking anything that Dane recommended, just because it's Dane, and and you know, you never want to let the guy down. But tonight, it's it's much more of a competition. Uh, So, you know, there's a chance here to be to be brutally honest, or maybe Dane's likability will just help him uh, coast to the end, regardless of the movies he brings. Let let me have it, guys. He also brought. Yeah, I I think I think uh, he deserves some honesty from us tonight, but he did bring a beloved film. This is probably of the four we're discussing tonight, uh, the most popular, I'd say, uh, at least to an American audience um, and, and probably worldwide. Very, very popular film. We're talking about dead poet society. 1989, directed by Peter Weir, stars Ethan Hawke and Robin Williams, a very young Ethan Hawke, and a very good Robin Williams. And it
1: definitely um, stars a Robin Williams before Ethan Hawke, but Corey's love of Ethan Hawke <laughs> <laughs> contributed to that I, ordering. I
0: don't know. I think Robin Williams is probably more instrumental to this film, but Ethan Hawke is the protagonist.
1: Yeah, to a certain extent. We'll talk
0: okay. about it. We, yeah, yeah we, well, we can get into it. Yeah, let's get into it then let's give me some of your early thoughts on this film and and maybe about you know the ethan hawk versus robin williams dynamic
3: so the the initial comment i have which we can get into the ethan hawk dynamic but what i want to lead with is that while watching this movie a potential dig because i was trying to think of a dig because this was going to be a big competition right so these are a group of boys that go into a cave to read poetry and they all do so willingly. And Robin Williams is like, it's like, like honey was dripping from their mouths. It wasn't just some activity. Like they would go read poetry and then they, they're all just interested in it and they do it. And I was thinking that is so like, like, there's no way that's like believable. Like there's no way these boys would do that. And then I started thinking about it more and I was like. Technically what we're doing is a version of that <laughs> where it's like we're gathering in a metaphorical cave <clears throat> talking not about poetry but blushing and gushing about film. So maybe it's not that improbable. Um but I guess this movie was just ahead of its time and predicted podcast culture in <laughs> uh well off suburban. I'd some poetry yeah, with
1: you guys. Yeah, uh, as the honey dripping I, from your you.
3: mouth. I
0: would too i would well it's kind of funny you brought that up smear because really quick this, this isn't something we have to dwell on but honestly what i was reminded of a lot throughout the movie was data <laughs> oh like, being I, in a I, frat I, like, is very... very
1: well i mean fraternities yeah, I mean, it's within it's, high school sort of fraternal or... <laughs> space like that yeah like fraternities <laughs> within high schools were a thing throughout like up until like the 70s or 80s like that was very common so in a lot of mm-hmm. ways this is just a high school fraternity but you know with poetry.
0: Yeah, rooted into something. A little I can't more imagine.
3: Period. I feel like somebody that uh went to an all boys school. Like I have like a maybe like two or three friends that like went to one of those like all boys prep academies. Like they probably had a completely different viewing experience of this movie. Like this probably like slapped <laughs> for them. Um. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah.
3: But um, I I guess while I'm talking like the Ethan Hawke and uh robin williams dynamic i would personally say that um i would obviously in the when i'm speaking like the first in the first breath i would mention robin williams um just because like the story seems or at least the problem and who the characters rally around seems to be centered around robin williams um even though it's a kind of experience from the eyes of ethan Hawke. So I would probably side with Sam and maybe Dane in saying that uh, Robin Williams is probably the first person I'd mention.
2: I The best part of the movie is Robin Williams to me. I mean, he is such an infectious actor in everything he does. I mean, he's such a great mentor figure. I mean, we talked about Goodwill Hunting last episode, and essentially he's that, but just for a class of, of
1: boys now. I didn't find Robin Williams, like all that amazing in this movie am i like crazy i like i don't know like it felt like he was so <laughs> greatly improved upon good. in goodwill hunting that it was kind of hard to like go to dead poets well, and feel really really connected when to him i, I think i think ethan Hawke is actually even hotter take i think robert sean leonard as neil perry is the best character in this in this story actually yeah
3: well like, I, going I off of uh, that's what, my favorite uh,
1: part of the entire movie
0: neil's storyline is really strong once it comes full circle i agree yeah
2: i i think cory what you said about ethan hawk being essentially he's the protagonist i mean robin williams really is just a supporting character in the movie more or less and the central focus is on the the dead the new dead poet society and all, and all the boys
0: yeah well so i agree with what you said sam to a certain extent Um, in that there were moments in this where I felt that Robin Williams' character was just too magical or too perfect. Um, But I don't think that takes away from his performance. I think it was a really strong performance. But what I kind of wanted to ask you guys uh, is, because I realized the reason that I felt that way about his character was, I can't really recall ever having a teacher like even close to that. Like I've never had a teacher in my life, unfortunately, (laughs) who I feel like really touched my life in any profound sort of way. I've had teachers who I really respect, teachers who I think were great at their job, but I never had that sort of magical teacher figure that um, you see in this movie, that you've seen in movies, even like a very different, but like a school of rock kind of has that sort of thing. Uh, uh, That's even true in um, some older 80s films. Uh, You know, like it's it's a common trope and I've always sort of admired these movies, but I'm not sure if I've felt a teacher like that in my life. Do you guys have examples of that in your life? Or do you think that's... Or
1: do you want to like, talk taxiders? about it, Corey? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the abandonment of your, your uh, uh, authoritative well, no, f- uh, figure? No, but, like, I, I,
0: that's the reason I bring it up. is like, I, I've had teachers who I really like, but I found myself watching Rob Williams' character in this and be like, well, no teacher's actually like that. But I'm not sure if that's just me being unfair because I haven't had that experience.
1: I've had teachers, I think maybe, there are maybe not to a certain like extent, that. but I've I, certainly... I've had one or two teachers that have had a very profound impact on my life. Yeah, so. I really haven't had maybe any they're not teachers as, like, like going charismatic. out with...
2: Yeah, I haven't had any yeah. teachers going out with a, a John Wayne impression, which I, that little moment is, <laughs> is so funny, where he's just imp- impersonating <laughs> yeah. all the actors. Uh, but But I, I definitely... Know. He's just little. He's just being. Robin I, I know. Williams I now know. And I, I like <laughs> right. to think that yeah. all, all the whenever the yeah. boys are laughing, like that was just their their genuine reactions. Uh, I I mean I I can't say I've had a like you said Sam a charismatic teacher, but I I definitely have had one or two teachers that have kind of changed my
3: worldview. Like
2: well I don't like not dramatically, but changed some ways I looked at things.
1: Yeah. Certainly. Yeah.
3: I mean I do find it like his like I find his character believable. Um, I just kind of agree with you, semi-agree with you in the sense that I wish we saw um more of him, I guess, not on screen, but more of his story and like the larger story. More I, like I think, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause he yeah. he he starts in the movie as um as a graduate and he was like an honors teacher at some academy, they say, and then he comes to here and then he does his tenure, and then we can get into what we think about the ending, but I think that um yeah i I just wish we saw a, a, a different side to him
1: also dude if they just cut that god awful love story and focused on robin williams there oh yeah like that that makes the movie way way better in my eyes that love story was the most <laughs> late 80s like unnecessary like this story could have like i i mean a lot of films are just so like if you're doing a coming of age story It's like a requirement to have a love story in it. This felt like very much like a background thought. And uh, I think those scenes completely ruin the pacing of of the movie.
0: I agree that it's definitely like an afterthought compared to some of the other subplots. But I also do appreciate that the movie, despite being, you know, about Robin Williams and about Ethan Hawke and about, um, uh, you know, Neil as well. Uh, it it's about all the boys to an extent and i do like that a lot of the characters are given um the room to to pursue their own things as a result of, of uh you know their teacher's influence i think even if it's not maybe as effective as some of the other subplots i think it's important to, to have that there but I, I definitely hear your point but um you guys raised two of the, the the things i wanted to touch on really briefly with this movie and one of them was the sort of directing style You know, Peter Weir is a very accomplished director. He directed my all-time favorite film in The Truman Show. I just watched another one of his movies today, Picnic and Hanging Rock. And I also want to issue an apology because last week on the episode, um, I shit on Master and Commander when uh, Dane asked me who I thought deserved the 2003 Oscar. Uh, But I haven't seen that movie, but it's a Peter Weir film. So I'm starting to think it probably is a pretty decent movie. And I even saw Russell Crowe put out a random tweet about it the other day. Uh, But I ask this because I just want to get some of your thoughts about, you know, because this is a very standard type. We can all agree, like, yeah, this kind of movie is pretty standard. Like, it's just like, you know, we've seen these coming of age stories, we've seen the stories about uh, inspiring teachers. But I do think Peter Weir does some interesting things here, and I just, I just want to want to know him. You, you know, you already pointed out some of the, you know, the sh- the early shots and the, some of the juxtapositions between different cuts. Um, but is there anything that jumped out to you guys? I,
2: I think, just how he films, kind of the the setting of the. Of this school, I mean, during this, the the moment, really, where Robin Williams, uh, John Keating, first talks to the students, and he and he tells all of them to like listen into the voices, uh, talking back to you in the pictures, the way he kind of just focuses on each face, uh, in the, within really the pictures, cool. I thought that was really cool. And he, yeah, you feel like yeah, you're in the crowd and, and like you're one of the students. He even comes back to it later at times where there's painting on paintings on the walls and uh particularly particularly in a in the ending of Neil's arc as he's like walking through the school for like the final time, there's a lot of focus on all of these paintings and pictures kinda watching him as he's going through this uh argumentative phase with the with his dad um and yeah, I think the way he kind of just really engulfs himself in the like gothic architecture of,
1: of the school is really cool too like i think it's impossible not to mention the neil perry suicide scene
2: spoiler um, for a movie from 1989
1: yeah from <laughs> a, a critically acclaimed very popular movie from yeah. 1989 um that was shocking like there's no other word like i literally because it's such like according to your point about like how um, Robin Williams' character is almost, like, too good to be true at times. Like, there is kind of this, like, you know, they're all going to seize the day. There's all, they're all going to, even halfway through, my thought process was, is there even a conflict in this movie? It just seems like some light rebellion, and, like, his dad will, like, Neil Perry's dad will finally come around at some point. And it totally plays on that, because it's a very conventional movie in a lot of ways and then for them to just completely change tone and the entire cinematography changes like it's very close up very intimate into his mm-hmm. like neil perry's face i i was blown away that was yeah you know the um don't want to say it's like a g- great scene because of the subject matter is obviously very very sad but um it, it's such a interesting way to do it yeah. and uh Peter Ware absolutely kills it there yeah the
2: subtlety in all the shots I think is what really sells the scene because it is very dramatic you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen or what had happened really until Neil's dad wakes up and you're like ah no way and then the reveal with the door opening which the reaction from his parents is just heartbreaking oh my god oh it's, it's, it's
0: gut-wrenching oh my god the mom, so mom did a up. great
1: acting oh. scene that time really really good yeah i can, yeah.
0: I, can I can still hear that mm-hmm. scream yeah you know in that yeah moment. it's it's so it's and
3: I and i think what makes that moment so gut-wrenching is like like we're put through this like gradual lead up from like the first two minutes of like okay like the strict father and the son that wants to do something and then we see his very genuine uh passion grow and then his dad stops him and that's i think their dynamic was probably my favorite of the movie in terms of like relationships um no it wasn't a good relationship but like in terms of an on-screen dynamic um and that's what makes that final because you can see as much of a piece of shit his dad is you feel that like holy crap what have i done um I pushed him too far like in like in Waves which is another movie that <laughs> the modern day I think we all saw Modern e- Day Waves. Even then no, I, yeah, I, I I was going to say with with that too ahead,
2: uh, continuing with the ending I the he talked Robin Williams talks about the conformity thing and not doing what you like being a free thinker essentially and at the end of the day they all end up signing the paper More or less against their will, but at the same time, there's that part with Ethan Hawke where he sees that everyone else has signed, so then he signs. Which I I felt like was essentially an overall showing of just how honestly demented this this school is to a point, and how controlling... How oppressive, like it really hammers Especially with... uh, the whole religion overtone too i mean even this the score is just filled with oh like all, all that, like all, <laughs> all, thing, all of that theme <laughs> all of that yeah <laughs> yeah all, all of that stuff so
0: i agree see let's 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 touch on that ending really quick because like and I, when i say the ending i i mean the, i mean the very ending like the essentially the final scene i think is uh worth talking about because it's definitely the most iconic moment from this movie. I didn't even realize until it came on that I had seen that scene a million times. Like like I've seen it parodied, I've seen it recreated a million times. And maybe that affected my perception of it, but I'm curious to get some quick thoughts on it.
3: Like I've said on previous episodes of the podcast, if if the if it something is parodied by Family Guy, I know it's a mainstay of popular culture. And you bet your ass God the ending it. was in Family Guy. <laughs> I remember it clearly. <laughs> you bet um, your ass. Was <laughs> a really good I SNL say, party of that scene too. I think this is a warm cinnamon roll of a movie throughout. My only, where well, I guess my biggest gripe, probably my only gripe with it, comes with the ending. Um, maybe part of it. Is because I've seen it so much. And like, I, I, I to be honest, I, di- I didn't know that was coming. Like, I didn't connect the dots until I was in that moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, why didn't I put that together? I've seen this so many times. Um, the thing is, for me, I, and I'm curious to get other people's thoughts too on this, it feels like we've completed um, Neil's super tragic arc. And even in a way, Ethan Hawke's characters. I feel like we're not at the end of Robin Williams's trajectory in the sense that like like i can't help but be le- but be left with questions at the end of this is like oh well so they all stood up in this in this um oppressive school and what's going to happen to robin williams like these kids can easily be shut down by the teachers and in that moment likely the boy standing up and saying oh captain my captain probably won't do anything like i know it's this big heart like you know like like emotional moment but like Robin Williams is going to get fired nonetheless, and the kids will probably get yelled at to sit down, so them doing that gesture means something, but, like, the fact that it practically doesn't mean anything, like, kind of weighed that down for me, but I don't know, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts.
2: It was more of uh, just a gesture to Robin Williams, and when I look at the movie in, like, historical film context, too, I do think it is kind of Bogged down because Robin Williams is in it. Nineteen eighty nine, he was—he's a big star, but at this point, like, obviously, Goodwill Hunting hadn't come out or anything like that, and it—it it isn't his movie. It's definitely the boy's story.
0: Yeah, I just thought the ending was like a whole hunk of cheese. Honestly, <laughs> like I just kind of honestly, I, like I—it's—it's—it's well, it's, it's sweet, but it just. I didn't fi- feel satisfied by it. Like I-, I agree with you, Samir, that it sort of proved to me that Ro- Robin Williams' character is purely just a vessel for everyone else in the movie to change, um, which is, in a sense, what a teacher is, I guess, um, in-, in their students' lives. But it just didn't feel satisfying as it relates to his character. I'm not even sure it felt satisfying to Ethan Hawke's character. Like I guess he he's finally speaking up and he's standing up, and but I don't know. I kind of wanted to see him get somewhere, see him do something he, never really, he, already, he doesn't really do anything he does the you know? like, poetry I don't, I don't... reading
1: like which is one of the best scenes in the movie it is a great he scene I, I agree that, it is
0: it is a great scene um i just yeah and again I, I really do think it's hurt by the fact that i've seen so many ridiculous uh right re- recreations of this moment but i just <laughs> as soon as it started happening and then the, the credits rolled i was like that's a shame because i really like this movie and that just felt Again, like a real big hunk of
1: cheese, I, nothing more. It definitely it's speaks super to the people who are watching it. Like I imagine, there's some people that are feeling like so so happy by that ending, and then it's just four cynical like film bros who are just like, <laughs> yeah, but that's inconsequential. Like the systems of oppression weren't stripped. Like there is no like the 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 school will continue to <laughs> to uh, re- oppress their students. It's like yeah, but that's not like. At the end, I wasn't surprised that's how they ended it, A, because I knew how it ended, and B, that's just kind of what the movie was going for. Um, I think they, it's that like small emotional victory where in this really, really oppressive setting, even those small little victories are probably very significant. And why, like, Samir made a great point about how boys that go to all-boys schools can probably relate to that ending on a more visceral level than we can uh whereas we're just kind of like eh they just stood up on their desk like <laughs> who really cares but um
0: well it's interesting because I-, I watched Picnic it, it, and Hanging Rock today right? and that that's actually a very similar movie in terms it's about essentially a female version of this kind of school mm-hmm. set in Australia um, but it's much darker because students go missing and uh, there's a whole kind of drama around that so I don't know I, I, I'd i like to learn more about Peter Ware's background and Maybe he has a lot of experience with these kinds of schools, or it's just been fascinated by them in, in some way. Um, just because I, I thought it was interesting that the parallels between the two movies. Before you do move on, I, w- I just want to quickly ask Dane, like how how safe do you feel tonight uh, in terms of surviving tonight's? <laughs> well, after, based on the conversation, based on the movie itself,
2: based on this conversation, knees weak, palms are sweaty vomit on my sweater already vomit on my i don't know if i said that if i said that in reverse or how that goes um but definitely
1: you forgot the mom's spaghetti spaghetti yeah how is your mom's spaghetti Dane?
2: i haven't my mom hasn't cooked spaghetti in a while but i'm also at school now (laughs) here we go um yeah i (laughs) definitely uh not feeling super confident uh not feel. Oh, wow. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The, just, the just, poster just... boy
1: of consistency is kind of feeling it right now. Have so I? he's got some good
3: reviews. He's gotten good reviews on the old litter box. So I, we'll see. I, I, we'll we'll see. Too
2: close to the sun. Hey
0: Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, with this, Sam kind of hit the nail on the head. Like with this podcast, picking a beloved favorite isn't always the move because we're such cynics. You know that we'll find a way to.
2: Maybe uh, I just pick Uh, too much of a feel-good movie, but then again, it's it's not. We don't want to
1: feel-good Dane. That's and that's why I was gonna say based (laughs) off of your three. I was gonna say based (laughs) off off of your three movies, movies, based off
2: of your three movies. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. It really is the polar,
1: polar (laughs) opposite. We'll see. We'll see. Well, let's
0: let's get into some of those other movies here because uh, you know, one of the things that I really liked about. Dead Poet Society. We kind of hit on it. Was Peter Weir's direction? I thought, you know, considering how you know sort of standard the subject matter was, he still found a way to include a lot of unexpected shots. Like one of my favorite ones is still when they're in the room and they steal uh, Ethan Hawke's notebook, and their camera's Uh, just spinning and spinning and spinning. That That was a good one. one. Um, Yeah, such like such like an eclectic moment. I felt in otherwise, you know, in a movie that may not seem like it'd be eclectic on the surface. But I think that that sort of description also applies to this next film, and that is Xavier Dolan's *Mom*. I believe it came out in 2014. Am I correct, Sam?
1: 2014. Yes. Yeah, so
0: this is this is Sam's film that he brought to the group. And this is another one where on the on the surface, the subject matter seems very standard. It tells the story of a a kind of problem child who goes home to live with his single mother, uh, and they befriend another mother across the street. Like that's kind of the the general uh, synopsis. Mm-hmm. But for as standard as that plot might sound, I do think this movie does a lot of really unexpected things, and I'm excited to hear what everybody thinks about it.
1: Let me hear it, boys. I'd love just the congratulatory well, pat on the okay. back that I have amazing fucking taste. Well, you're making it and so hard is to absolutely fire. We talked oh, about
2: man. direction, and the direction in this movie is is so good. It's it's really great. The Yeah, it the, is. You know, like anytime a movie aspect ratio is a certain way or a movie's black and white there has to be purpose to it. And about halfway through the movie, whenever the aspect ratio whenever it it opens up and he's I got I got chills. Like that that little bit was just I literally started crying.
1: I like it's so so crazy. And then just
3: outside
2: of that too, like the direction in, in itself is just fantastic. It, it's so organic. Yeah, I, I would. It uh, is. I mean, I mean
0: it, it's it was really fucking agree. good, Sam. I it, <laughs> Let's the, go. the, the direction of this movie was, was really really fantastic. <laughs> uh, I I agree with Dane that uh, aspect ratios need to have intention. And to be honest, when this movie first started, I was like, really? Like, honestly, this is so such a bizarre aspect ratio that um, it was so limiting. Like, you could barely even see some of the the surroundings half the time and i was like this just doesn't feel like the right way to frame this movie but it has such a proper payoff, so much pay-off. later on um it's it's so so worth it and with a
1: wonderwall needle drop of the, all well, things. and that's what i was
0: about to say is like you guys know what how i feel about about uh, like you know needle drops in movies like there there's no way a movie should get away with i mean several kinds of needle drops but Especially a fucking Oasis Neil Drop jo- Wonderwall by Oasis. There's no reason <laughs> that any movie of any caliber should be including that, but it works it, it, so goddamn well. And I'm still not sure I've, I've figured out how or why. Sam sent me an article, um, explaining some of those decisions, and I'm still like, yeah, but it's it's Wonderwall that should not work as well as it does, but it really, really works in this movie. It, it, it. it like I felt so much emotion listening to Wonderwall in a fucking movie. Like that doesn't make sense the, to me. But it, it really wasn't. Yeah, a, even cast like a yeah, I, I think, song. yeah, I I think I like, think that's
2: the thing that, too, is like the the movie utilizes music so well. Like the score just it it makes you wanna cry. Just the score itself. And there are so many I mean there's French songs in there, there's more popular songs, but when you when you get the little hint of when you find out all the essentially the biggest songs all the pop songs or whatever in the movie are from his dad's mixtape like that that really sells it for me yeah um mhm and uh, as far as emotions go feeling this i put it in my letterbox review but it it's like my heart was getting ripped out and then shoved <laughs> back in then ripped out and shoved back in it was just a, a roller coaster ride of depression and joy
3: i think that like we would we started off by talking about the direction which i really enjoyed too one of the things that i wrote that i really liked um initially especially about the direction was the kind of like the handheld movements that they would do especially like the one example that comes to mind readily is like um i think it was towards the end when you know she's about to drop him off and like the police uh the policeman's like holding um, the mom off from running back to him none of that is it, it feels shaky like it was taken on an iPhone and they do that at multiple points where it's like shaky and then you move back like quick pans and then pan pan without cutting um, and that just for some reason that that hits so well like especially because that's such a tense moment it doesn't break the tension because you could easily like cut right there and then cut to the mom crying and then cut back well, i agree so like, there were
0: so be- many moments in this where i was like a different director would have would have done that in mm-hmm. a different way it would have been a lot more shot reverse shot um
1: like the shopping cart scene yeah an- another girl like, dirty- oh, yeah no yeah. one would do it that way that scene is so like so original i mean my my there's a couple of favorite favorite scenes from this movie if you guys haven't if anyone listening can't tell this is this might be my favorite movie ever made. Like, I think this movie is just an absolute fucking masterpiece. But um, to, yeah, it's it's, it's really fucking good. And the 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 shopping cart scene comes to mind, but that karaoke scene is so unbelievably gonna... good. Like oh, he's yeah. singing like, and and for for people who maybe aren't familiar with Xavier Dolan's films, um, this is by far his most popular and most well received um but a lot of his movies have to do with masculinity like the lgbt experience um as well as relationships with your mom um and i like to think of this film as kind of like uh, like so much of how it's directed and how it just flows is about the the relationship the influence between the mom and the son and seeing steve who is and we haven't talked about it yet he is kind of a piece of shit in a lot of ways like he is like he says some really fucked up things to a lot of different people and you know first 20 minutes you're kind of like this kid's an irredeemable piece of shit like why should i care like i like And trust me, about the aspect ratio, like, I was like, this is so pretentious. Like, why is he doing this? And, but after it goes through, it's just like, I shouldn't love this as much as I do, but it just all, it all works. Like, you get, like, Steve, to me, is one of the most fascinating characters I've seen in a movie. Like, he is so much more nuanced than you would ever think. Well... Uh, and well, yeah. Can the we, karaoke scene is a great example. Yeah, can we of talk that. about
0: Steve really quick? Because I, I do want to sort of bring this up. Is if there's one thing that I, think. I don't even want to use the word dislike because I don't think I disliked it. I think I came around on it. But if there's one thing I struggled with in this movie, it is that Steve's a pretty fucking terrible person. I mean, like this. The obvious. I think we all can agree that the scene uh, when they're taking a taxi mm. is. One of the yeah. most that's like, the most egregious. Yeah, it's one of the most upsetting scenes in yeah. this movie, and it is a moment where you're cringing so terribly, and it is to the point where I'm like, how should I ever sympathize or even respect someone treating anyone like like this? Um, I I think the movie does a lot to to make him a nuanced character, as you suggest, Sam. But um did anybody else have those those sort yeah. of conflicted feelings about Steve, well, or, or did anybody I, have well, feeling, I th- feel conflicted about the movie as a whole? Because it, it, it? it's definitely
2: know. warranted, and I came around on all all the things except for one which is him groping his mom and like the the, this that so weird that (laughs) it's so weird really kind of shook me to my core and it was in my mind for for so much of the movie and i i would like come back back to it like later on and be like that that happened (laughs) like oh my god like what the hell (laughs) And yeah, like with the first twenty minutes of the movie too, I'm I'm glad that the choices were made with like aspect ratio. Um, I think Steve is he's a fascinating character, but for me, like the sh- the shining star, not to change the subject or characters, is Diane. Oh, Diane and Kylo, but Diane, the mom for me, she was unbelievable. Like,
1: I
0: performance that's my favorite yeah, performance in the movie. Yeah. I agree.
1: Oh, she's amazing. I just, I real quick want to answer Corey's question about um the Steve and specifically the taxi scene because that is that is also the like the toughest scene to get through and would probably be the hardest if you were showing someone this movie to um explain I guess and my take is like I'm not I would never defend what Steve does throughout this movie he fucks up a lot. But I think as the movie goes along, you realize that he's doing these over-the-top, like, heinous, like, acts because he really just deeply wants attention and a sense of validation. And overall, he's just scared of the world. And that doesn't excuse, like, him, you know, saying racist things or, you know, groping his mom, stuff like that. Like, nothing will ever validate that kind of behavior but it is an uncomfortable kind of like sense that you kind of understand why he's doing all of these things, not the specific things, but the overall general acting up in the way that he does.
3: I, yeah, I mean my, so what, well, what I was just going to say, like specifically with regards to Steve, um, he's like he's a deeply obviously unlikable character like even before that scene like from like the first five minutes he's like he's swearing at everyone he just doesn't listen he's so annoying like if if he was your kid like you'd just be like oh my god like how do i deal with this person like he never listens to anyone does anything and that's that's one of the things about the movie so i think when you have difficult scenes like that like the taxi scene um, I've I've said this in episodes prior, but to me at least, it's all about the tone the movie itself takes towards it. If 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 I if, if for whatever reason I feel that like the movie is like celebrating a kind of like you know spotty act, then it's kind of like okay, well I don't you know screw this movie. But if you can clearly tell that the movie is presenting this person as the problem or the villain, I think it.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree, and I, I do think. Look, I, I I already you know you know revealed my hand. I love this movie, and I even enjoyed Steve as a character. I just unfortunately I, I learned watching this and several other movies that I I just love movies about terrible people, and sometimes I don't know what to make. Of I, I do.
1: It's actually so bad. Yeah, like I sometimes just I just like don't know what to make. Enjoy of them. it so much. Yeah, because yeah, more often
0: than not, the best movies are about really fucking one. terrible people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: because let's uh let's go to dane's point yeah. about die and um kyla totally blinking on the other mom's kyla. name kyla yeah. kyla and they have i mean die is such a great actress like from the get-go her chewing the gum she's a little abrasive in herself um like she is just so you know she doesn't know what to do Like, and she just has no answers to this kid. You know, sometimes she gets through, but he's so erratic. And you can always tell throughout this movie that she's thinking about, you know, from the very get go, they talk about this dystopian decision to lock away your problem kid. And you always know that that um, option is there for her but you can really see how much it's playing on her that she she really is trying to resort to every last option besides this this uh dystopian yeah. option wait, that she's well given. with
2: like with her and Steve you can tell that i mean the entire movie is her moral dilemma of what to do with her son and the aspect ratio changes and the entire time like i feel like that more applied to her than it did steve because she's finally at this moment where she feels safe she feels secure and she's has a job at this point and steve's getting an education feels like things are on the right track and and the the many emotions she shows in this in this film are just are crazy the little moment between her and kyla when they're sitting i think it might be after their first uh Teaching lesson, and they're just like cracking up, busting jokes with each other, uh laughing hysterically yeah they can't stop that seemed, I just was smiling the entire time, like th- those little moments in there where you could just breathe and have a sense of maybe this is going to be okay, were some of my favorite moments
0: oh, I mean, I think the one of my favorite scenes, you know, speaking of their relationship, Di and, and Kyla um, is when Kyla tells comes to tell that she's moving to Toronto and so much is unsaid And you know I'm a sucker for scenes that that you know do a lot of work without any dialogue at all and there's so much said there where um you know you know Diane's just kind of nodding or she's just kind of saying yeah it's fine good like i'm all awesome. it's awesome let's, let's have dinner let's celebrate blah, blah blah um but like you know what's bubbling beneath the surface and when it finally comes out i i, I just thought that was both actresses yeah. their absolute best well, in, in i moment. i saw
2: um and I, I, I agree with you
0: that Diana is mm-hmm. the emotional core of the film above all else.
2: I for me, like watching this I, I kinda read Kyla as being closeted. I thought I throughout the movie, I think she is lesbian. And I mean that the ending moments, I mean, yeah, she she never yeah. she doesn't want to be with her husband, with her own daughter. She's always over there. And she doesn't stutter when she's with them. And at the that ending moment where she's like, that's all you wanted to say to me? Like, I, I just got that subtext there that I... Maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I, I really think...
1: No, I think it's
0: a good reading. Especially when she says, I can't just leave yeah. my family. Yeah, like I, I, I think Kyla... I, yeah, I think Kyla
2: was there thinking like things were going to be dramatically different between her and and diane but ultimately diane is keeping so much emotion in and the way that actress visually shows that inner inner turmoil is is so well done
1: yeah the the counterpoint to that dane is that I, I don't disagree. There was times throughout that I thought that maybe it was the start of a romance. Um, My take is also that Kyla's mm-hmm. son had died and that's why her stuttering had begun. And she was looking to raise another son in a sense and maybe raise it with another woman in a romantic sense or just in a platonic, like, I want to raise a son again because it's alluded to throughout the movie that um there's pictures mm-hmm. of a son throughout her house you never see the son and then also she had a traumatic event that's my interpretation of those events but i could mm-hmm. i could interpret it your way as well
2: that montage sequence happens of him aging and the, the wedding I, I, that's I, what i was gonna say yeah
3: Yeah, it's the.
1: I wanted wanted to bring it up. That's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's my favorite scene in the movie. I had
2: gotten teary-eyed. Here we go, Sam. Judging, judging a movie on how much I cry, but during (laughs) this, during. No, I Dane. I cried so much at this scene. (laughs) I had like wet stains on my shirt. I was sobbing, and then (laughs) the the realization of that was just her fantasizing what her life could be like. I might start crying now. Holy shit! But oh oh, my, oh (laughs) my, oh my god! So good. Jaw dropped. One thing I will say
3: about the strength of that scene is, and the movie in general, one of the things, the strengths that we haven't talked about is its um. Well, I guess we kind of did, but it's his really intimate connection with music. The score during that scene, I shazammed it. Um, Lodovico Einaudi, I guess, is the composer of this entire movie. Uh, that score, I was listening to it today, just yeah. an hour ago before it's this so podcast, good. especially like, like when it like spe- really
0: carries that moment.
3: W- when it speeds up, cause it's like, na, 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 and then it speeds up and then you see him get older all of a sudden. I'm like, who is this actor? And then he's oh, at they his replaced wedding. The and actor, like,
0: my heart literally. W- w- yeah. And
3: They replaced the actor and like the camera is spinning and it's like, holy crap, this is amazing. And, Yet, even watching that, I was like, this is too good to be true. And when I did find out it was too good to be true, my heart's eh, such a good moment.
1: Yeah, it's especially with the, like, ever-present, like, fuzz that creeps in as it speeds up. Yeah. And you can kind of notice that the the, like, the future vision is becoming more and more clouded mm-hmm. as time goes on. You know, it shows you what could have happened had there, you know, some Mm -hmm. unfortunate circumstances never happened, but he was never destined for that life. And that's the sad part. He, He could, this could have been him had things gone differently with his dad, with, you know, how he reacted to, to, um, like stress and trauma in life. And he reacted in a way that this just wouldn't happen. But, you know, you really... At the end, you you want this life for Steve, like you don't, even though he's a kind of a piece of shit. Like you don't want to see him end up institutionalized. You want to see him end up, you know, dancing with his mom yeah, on his wedding night.
2: Just the thought that that's what she was thinking as she was taking him to the detention center is it, it is like that's what I said. Well, Corey, you said she is the emotional core of this movie, and she's, she, I mean, Steve is. Can't take your eyes off of them the entire time, but her journey is what kept me sucked in, of, above all.
0: I also hope a lot of our listeners seek out Mommy after yeah. this one. I feel like it's one that you know, as like a you know, we're we're losers who can spend hours scrolling through Letterbox. So like, you know, it's easy <laughs> for us to have happen happen across a movie like this. Um, But I never heard of it until I got on that that app. To be honest. Um, and I'm not, oh, yeah, and I'm either. not sure if it's one that just like the average, you know, film goer may, uh, might've ever heard of. And so, um, I do really encourage people to seek it out. I don't know if we've explicitly said it, but it is a French Canadian movie, which is pretty cool in and of itself. Cause, um, we were talking before the episode, before the episode started, how we haven't really seen all too many Canadian films in general, let alone French Canadian. So, uh, I think it's definitely one that uh, deserves your attention. And I think a lot of people will feel similar about it if they were to seek it out. Any other final any final thoughts on mommy? Or I guess I should ask Sam based on this conversation how how safe or, or Sam's feeling safe.
3: I yeah, mean, Sam's probably arrived. Right, I'm either. not sure I love how this safe was, he's feeling. Dude, this was
1: stressful because like I I almost did not pick this movie because it is such a personal favorite of mine. Like do you guys not like this movie, I would have been really, really upset. But I was like, you know what, I like <clears throat> I trust that Xavier Dolan just absolutely kills it in this movie and that this is this is really one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. So I'm glad you guys feel the same. I think I think Mommy, uh, like Corey said, absolutely need to seek this out. This is one of the greatest movies of the last decade. Feeling safe. Yeah, he's feeling very safe. Yeah, he
0: didn't even feel the need to directly uh, address the question because he was like, yeah, I'm just so safe. that
3: <laughs> He's ghosting.
0: Well, uh, speaking of safety, I think I still brought probably the best <laughs> film of, of the night, uh, uh, in my humble opinion. So we, we should get into that one now. Uh, and that is Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. This is a film from 2003. It is only uh, his second film, um, but it is commonly considered uh, his best, um, or at least one of his best. Uh, and, it's, and it's certainly um, a really influential film. Um, in, in South Korean film as a whole. Um, and it's kind of the one that really, you know, set his career off. I don't want to say too much about it because I obviously have my biases, but I do want to get your thoughts on this film. because I, I, And I'll get into this too, but I think it has some interesting parallels with a lot of what we've discussed for both Mommy and Dead Poets Society.
1: Yeah, Corey, um, it like really pains me to say this, but like, Corey's definitely safe. Like, this movie is really fucking good. I, uh... I thought Memories of Murder is just one of the best... Absolute best crime thrillers I've ever seen. I want, like... We've talked about directorial style. I think... I was trying to think of, like, what separates Bong Joon-ho from... So many of his his contemporaries. I think something that he does better than probably any other actor... I mean, and by actor, I mean director, is how he deals with chaos. There is such a control to, like, all of the chaotic scenes in this film that in a lot of thrillers, you kind of, like, have no idea what's quite going on. But, like, whether it be, like, the crime scene being accidentally tampered with in the beginning or, like, them, uh, like, reenacting the first murder... In the lily pads, or the fight scene in the bar, there is such a unbelievable control that's being displayed.
2: Corey, I I don't I have to go to the bathroom. I don't know if you mentioned it. I didn't know this, but this movie is actually. A, did you mention about the what it's based on?
0: Yeah, it's based on a true yeah. story. I'm gonna tell you guys a story. I'll tell you guys a story really, really quick. I, I I maybe you you read this on the Wikipedia. Um but I did. it's based on a on a true story um and I do think we should talk about the ending of this movie um because it has um uh, i think some really nice ambiguity to it and, and the like but the murder that this or the series of murders rather that this film is based on um were not solved until two thousand nineteen like very very yeah, very, very very year. recently yeah uh and and these these murders were a huge deal in South Korea. i mean like
1: well, they were the first Yeah, they were the they were the first instance the of like any sort killing. of
0: like serial killings in in uh, South Korea. So, Bong Joon-ho was really tapping into like a, you know, like a nationwide zeitgeist with a movie like this. Uh and so that kind of I think explains maybe some of the ambiguity in the movie as well. But I think isn't that wild that these murders were not solved until mm-hmm. just 2 and years ago?
1: And I no, yeah, it was just a random guy that was sitting in jail. Yeah, too. he was
0: already in jail for an entirely different murder. I think of his wife or something.
1: It was a rape and murder of a stepsister, oh, yeah. or something um, like that.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I going along with yeah. that, like bad dude. After watching this, Bong Joon Ho easily top three directors of all time for me. He, this, I do. This movie was it was so intense. I I loved every second of it. Um. You talked about Control and how awesome that is, and in going in and reading about, part of the reason why he wanted to make this movie was to re-bring this case into the public eye, and when he was doing this, like, he literally went door to door, door to, like, 1,500 houses and personally interviewed so many people of the towns, Did His he really? Yeah, I had no idea that yeah, you did he that. was a yeah, detective so cool. for all intents and purposes. His, yeah. his devotion to filmmaking is just unmatched. And you talked about like his ab- ability to film intense scenes is in- outstanding, but also just like that that opening scene in the field, that one take of all the chaos ensuing, and the moment in the in the train. Well, at the very end, with the Little fight that breaks out between the guy that's essentially framed, and uh the way he uses the the shadow or in the in the train track to kind of frame all the scenes and stuff like that is outstanding. I I I was over the moon with this one,
1: dude. The score is so good. Yeah, he
0: his set pieces mm-hmm. are just just unrivaled. Yeah, the score really is really so great fun. too. There's a, there's a lot of like. I do want to hear from Samir because he's, he's doing that classic quiet oh my time. God, I, where hate, he's like, I hate. I hate I'm about to come in and be a contrarian. So we do have to get <laughs> Samir's Whatever, opinion Samir. out of the way
3: before we can have our fun, right? <laughs> I do like the way this movie is shot a lot. Um, it just—it's so like the—the the aesthetic. It completely nails that, and in fact, I even like it a lot. Like i, I felt myself drawn into that like tone a lot more than in movies like Zodiac or Seven. playing devil's advocate because we've been so positive so far uh this is not a dig at the movie and this is definitely not my dig at the movie just a interesting point of discussion so we don't all say the same thing over and over again last week we talked about um batman when we were talking about the dark knight right i'm talking about batman memories of murder uh we talked about kind of the idea of batman boiling down to like this like um essentially billionaire cop practicing karate on the mentally ill. I obviously like, I know a and all of that, but like, what did you guys think of like the role of cops and detectives in this movie, especially in the violence that they.
2: Bong Joon-ho does this thing where he wraps up so many genres into one and a lot of, his movies are surprisingly funny. And, in these the in these moments he the humor comes from what i take as his criticism to certain things in parasite it's the uh like is capitalism and how just uh naive this family is or that family is in this the humor comes from how corrupt and just out outrageously abusive and violent this just inept. police, like, this police force is, and I mean
0: a running gag is that a random detective will just run in and attack. To, a uh, yeah, or the guy who just Dude, comes in and one of the he, best when he that guy. Yeah. In the beginning. I, yeah, I bust really out funny. laughing,
2: but I I feel like <laughs> it in the movie. It's the joke that these two cops who are essentially your people who torture your victims tor- tor- or torture the suspects and all this stuff are made fun of. And in the end, the torture, which it doesn't get results. It's, it's kind of like the uh, complete opposite of what we see in a lot of American movies. So I, I found that very, a very fascinating take on, on how he did this, uh, how he did that. And even whenever he brought that cop in from Seoul, who seemed like, he had his shit together. By the end of the movie, he's doing everything that we thought he he wasn't. We he, we thought that he was this great cop, and then by the end, he's just as dumb and and corrupt and violent as the the rest of them. And it, and it
0: yeah, I do want to add this piece of of context really quick because uh, I was lo- I mean, uh, to be honest, I watched this movie in a in a class. I watched this for world film history at, at Pitt. Uh, shout out Mark Best. He, we started off the semester with this this film, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's one of the the best things I've ever seen." Um, but the reason I bring that up is one of the pieces of information that we that we learned in that discussion was that a huge issue in this case, and honestly, a huge social issue in all of South Korea, especially at the time, was society's treatment towards uh the mentally handicapped. And I think this movie also, like to to your point, Dane, uh, does deal with that in a lot of ways. I like I kind of see where Samir might be coming from in that maybe it, playing it for laughs cheapens it as opposed to exposes it. But I do think it I do think uh, Bong Joon Ho is really good at at establishing tone. And as as you sort of alluded to with Mommy, like it's all about where a movie lands on an issue. And I do think he lands on the right side of of uh, corruption with, amongst police police departments. And and uh, you know again like some of what I'm talking about with treatment towards towards the mentally handicapped, but uh, I, I, I take your point, but I don't, I, I think Bong Joon-ho succeeds in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think, well, we, we've touched a little bit on it, but to me, this, this is a movie that is about our assumptions of others more than anything. Like from the very get-go, sang uh, Ho, it talks about how he can like just perceive things, like perceive if people are lying to him, perceive their intentions, and it starts You know, its first indictment of that is the thing about the the brother catching the rapist, which one is which, and he obviously can't tell. Which is a great first initial point that, you know, throughout the movie, they pick the deviants, they pick the mentally handicapped, they pick people that they preconceive as dangerous or unsavory or a stain on society in some way and each and every time it proves that their preconceived assumptions of others warrants no like success so which is which which is the final point of the movie that they also make which we'll get more into um but yeah like Oh, Corey, when you, when you watched this the first time, what were, what were a couple of like the scenes that stood out to you the most?
0: Yeah. So there's one scene that I wanted to really bring up and it's when they're, um, it, I just think the way that Bong Joon-ho, um, frames the scene and frames a lot of scenes in this movie really sticks out to me. But when they're sitting in that club and you have the two detectives, I think it's Detective Park and, uh, I forget it his Moon? partner's name, Detective Moon, but they're, they're, yeah, they're, there's they're they're sort of just having a like a nonsense debate back and forth, you know? And then as they're having this debate, the camera's just staying fixed, right? But it's slowly zooming in. And then in the background, the third detective is like wrestling around with like messing around with some stripper or something. And then you're like, okay, so that's actually what's happening now, right? And then all of a sudden, like five another couple seconds go by and their their chief sits up like drunken and throws up. And like just, just by letting the camera linger. We've now shifted from one to two to three separate events happening in one scene, and it it happens very clearly. It's not ever busy or confused or anything, but it's also it's it's a funny scene. But I also think it does a lot to, uh, as we've sort of alluded to, to talk about this theme of like um, prior, like uh, you know, like you know, det- corruption amongst police and like their priorities being out of whack. Because I forget the exact content of their conversation, but it's pretty much absolute BS what they're debating about. It's not related to the case at all. And then obviously the other guy's just messing around with 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 um, a girl who works there. And then the, the chief is the one who sits up, even in his drunken stupor, and is like, can we fucking focus on the case? Can we talk about this? You guys got to get out there and and figure this shit out. So I just love that scene so much. I think it's funny. I think it's it sums up the movie so well. Um, and there's a few more moments like that where, uh, as Samir sort of alluded to it with, I think it was Mommy we were talking about, so that instead of cutting back and forth, he would often shift from character to character. There are a lot of close-ups in this movie where, you know, we're we're here and then all of a sudden we're on the other side of the conversation, and we're on the other side of the conversation and there's never been a cut and there's things happening in the background and the foreground and it's all just I don't know it's really well staged and really really uh, cool. two of
2: my uh favorite moments was uh first one is near the end. You go to into the perspective of the killer and he's trying to decide who to pick. I thought that was such a clever like little use of the camera and to get you in inside the killer's mind too i thought that was awesome and going back to how he plays with sh- so many genres i love horror movies and the moment when he or when the one woman is is walking towards the factory in, in between the fields and she has the umbrella yeah. that scene so tense that's my favorite and- that's my
1: yeah, favorite
2: that, scene in the movie. That was so so good. Ju- you get those little like really eerie moments, like in it, you can see in the background at dude one his point, head poking out, so dude, fucking creepy, so creepy. And the also yes. the way he does the jump scare too. I also
0: that's another great example where like you could totally yeah. just miss that, but it's there in the background. It's yeah. The so jump cool scare when I
2: found so intriguing too because it wasn't. You might not even consider it a jump scare, but I jumped um, where it's not just in your face. All of a sudden you see the guy like struggling to get up out of the grass. and I, I wanted to I go thought, back like, and
1: pause and see, and try to see his face. And I was like, but that is against the entire point of this movie. Like mm-hmm. I was like, but I um yeah, that that entire reveal. Oh, I was like, they're literally giving the, uh, you who the killer is. And then for it to actually never be revealed is so, like, frustrating, but also so satisfying in a strange way.
0: Yeah, so it's, Sam mentioned it. I do think, uh, before we move on, we do have to discuss the ending of this movie. Because it you sort of alluded to this, Sam, Like it has no business being as satisfying as it is. You know, in any sort of detective crime thriller, there is an unwritten promise made, I would think, between the audience and the director, which is, like, by the end, this crime will be solved, this mystery will be solved, and and you'll get that that payoff. This movie doesn't give us that payoff. And yet I, I think most people would agree this is it's a really fantastic ending to this movie. I'm really curious to hear you guys' thoughts on how you interpret it, just like some of your initial reactions to it. Because I remember loving this ending. I mean the ending is what has stuck with me the most more, more than anything out of this film. And again, they're they're on the surface that shouldn't be the case when there's a there's a mystery at hand and we want it solved. And yet, we we don't get it so all. Like, what, what were some my of, what is a
1: searing that? final look that Song kun Ho gives, like just like such a viscerally yeah. like uncomfortable like eye that. contact that he makes with you.
2: And I I said this when we talked about uh, Parasite, but one thing I love about his choice in writing is how he bookends his movies. He really ties them up with with a little bow. The beginning of the film and the ending of the film take place in the same spot in completely different contexts and i found that so fascinating and it if the ending reminds me reminded me of zodiac but at the same time like zodiac came out much came out much later uh so i'm giving this film even more more credit for doing pulling off something like this and it, it he also like breaks the fourth wall too he stares directly into the camera I thought that was Bong Joon-ho, Bong Joon-ho saying, hey, listen, this guy, mo- this ordinary looking guy is, is yeah, still walking one amongst us. you. Yeah, he
0: could be one of you. He could be watching this movie yeah, next to you. Yeah, the one theater. of us. Yeah.
2: That, to me, was, that's, it was so fascinating that he, he ended it to add, like, real world fear in, into the audience.
1: Yeah, people were probably pissed about this so movie when it, that the ending if they lived in South Korea cuz it it probably stirred up a lot of like stresses about it, the murder and stuff like that. Maybe I'm speaking out of my ass, no, but like I no, I imagine if that happened in America, people would be like like super upset with that that uh that ending.
2: It, it if it, it, make a good point? if I'm remembering correctly whenever I was reading about it, it did. It it this movie brought like this case back into the public eye of holy crap this guy's still out there um and i don't know if i'm remembering correctly but i think like it essentially like relaunched multiple investigations into it into the into the case so like that
0: yeah i believe at least some evidence did come forward as a result yeah. of people
1: yeah so Corey. It sounds yeah. like we really, really fucking hated this one. So, how confident yeah. are you that you well, are going home tonight?
0: Well, like you said, for Mommy Sam, like this, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like, it, I love, love, love this movie. It's definitely my favorite Bong Joon Ho film, um, and it's definitely in my top at least like fifty, um, if not like you know, maybe twenty-five. So, I, I really love, love this film, and I was really nervous. I, I wasn't too nervous because I honestly like I. I know that that we we all love like sort of Bong Joon Ho's old deal, and um, but you know I you never know with with this stuff. <laughs> really so I am really relieved that I, everyone loved it as much much as they did. Um, and I'm also you know uh, the only movie I haven't seen for Bong Joon Ho is The Host, and now I have really like just to, talking about him now has reminded me just how much I fucking love the guy. Um, and I'm, so I'm gonna I want to I want to get that done in the next like day or two honestly because uh, I just I agree with I agree with Dane that at least out of like currently working directors. He's got to be in the in the top three, just in terms of his ability to balance sort of like a commercial sensibility with something a little, little grander, he a little more such, special. He has such a really, unique really, really
2: style. Too. One where you could probably watch 10 minutes of his movie and be like, that's a Bong Joon-ho.
0: But with that, we will move into our final film of the night. This is Samir's film. So this is Ship of Theseus. This, I believe, is from 2013. Am I correct, Samir? 2012. 2012. Okay, it's uh, so 2012 film. Uh, it's a little different in that it doesn't. It doesn't have a singular plot. In fact, it has three plots. That Samirin so you know, has three plots, facts, man. Sort of so kind of He's always of, getting that that propaganda yeah, out to <laughs> everyone. <talk about> <laughs> yeah. So. so uh, I don't, do I get a couple? How are we yeah, gonna do another mutual appreciation for it. this one? Samir. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if, cool. yeah, I will cut you off the turn to do another <laughs> essay, but I, I, I uh, if you feel the need to start us off, go ahead.
3: Yeah, well, obviously, it's. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, but just, just had some stray thoughts about this. So, as you know, in our group chat, our listeners don't. Um, halfway into the week. I was like, have any of you guys seen this movie? Because I just watched Dead Poet Society is like, I think Um I'm gonna go ahead and change it. And so I was wrestling with this conflict from the moment we had announced this theme. Cause I had just seen and I'm gonna talk about that movie later. And I viewed this during my time as the villain or I guess the self proclaimed villain of this hey, podcast. Wait, I- I view viewed this very as hard to even be the though the crowd please
1: podcast. I'm not going to let you just say that you're the villain. <laughs> I think we're a tandem. Well, let me okay, have explain the... your villainy this time. <laughs> me, so so as long as
3: I get to be both, the protagonist, I'm good with it. Both of the Sams, yeah. Sam and Sam plus IR <laughs> as the self-proclaimed villains. Um, no, but I I then viewed this opportunity as or i guess this theme as an opportunity because one of my goals of this podcast that was an unannounced agenda that i haven't done yet um just as <laughs> dane's was so making sam like a superhero agendas. movie right just as dane like dane's was to make sam uh like a superhero movie mine was to show a movie from a part of the world that i don't think gets talked about enough in film um so, you know, I thought about it. I was like, do I risk being an easy first round kill? Or do I pick something that I know that people will like more? And I took this opportunity and I was like, you know what? I don't know the next time we're gonna do a big series. Um, so I don't have the power to make anyone watch something. So I'm gonna use this to dot in the dark. Let's see what they think about Sheep of Theseus. And this is a movie I have to say that um I've, I've seen a while ago and when I did watch it i was i remember being floored by it especially by the imagery of it
1: so i'm really curious to see what so i actually i actually the more i think about this movie i'm actually more impressed with it the more i think about it i um i'm gonna keep it real i very much dislike the first the first part of the movie i think the first of the three is not very interesting it, it felt like a watered down uh uh sound of metal in a lot of ways actually it's a strange but, little I'm glad you brought it up
0: I was like I, they'll they'll shit on me so hard if I read Yeah you're sound of anno- metal you'd again. be annoying yeah. if you had brought that up yeah It definitely uh, crossed yeah, my well,
1: mind it, too, Yeah I, it did I, come out before sound The of
3: visuals well, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, All right yeah 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 obviously
1: um uh, yeah but the the visuals of this saying. this movie are are really really cool um I think the way Samir you are just a person that loves to watch humans just do mundane things for like seven minutes on film like you love like you are very much you know the more movies you recommend the more I understand what you like and that is you want security cam footage of people just walking (laughs) down a street and discussing their everyday, which is certainly not what I watch movies for um like I don't like I don't get enjoyment out of them changing <laughs> a bedpan for six minutes out of the movie that you might, but um, I actually I really like the third the third act and the finale of this movie. I uh, I thought that was the strongest part of it, and and the visuals throughout are are really really cool. Um, certainly a risk that you picked this. It's actually kind of hilarious that on our picking a universal appreciated film you picked a movie that which which is why i had the way i thought about this challenge
3: uh, that's why i felt (laughs) i needed to clarify why i i went this direction with the cloud crowd pleaser theme it was a power
1: move if anything but
0: power move (laughs)
1: yeah well yeah i just like i thought of this challenge as like you know in my mind when I was picking this movie, it's like you're sitting around with your friends and you don't know what to watch. And you're like, well, have you guys watched, you know, Dead Poets Society? Or have you watched Memories of Murder? I, I guess Mommy to a certain lesser extent. But imagining you going, guys, have you seen Ship of Theseus? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> the, like, see, that's the other that? problem.
3: You three have seen practically every piece of thing that has been put to film. So... First of all, it it was a hard and daunting task. I think you guys did rise to the challenge as well. Um, and maybe if I had thought harder about it, I could have found that one film that was a popular, or I guess semi-popular movie that maybe was a blind spot. Um, but I don't know. See, that that agenda that will... If I had left this podcast without you seeing an Indian film, I would have been... Damn it! My time here was unfulfilled. Um well, but yeah, I'm gonna like, I I'm not... the Korean dandy. <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah, I will yeah. say
0: for all you. For all you know, you know, Dane and I could absolutely adore this film. That's, you know, only that's Sam true. has, has, has <laughs> spoken out so <as> far.
3: <laughs> process.
0: Yeah. So I just want to you know throw out some thoughts really quick. It, one is that I I do uh, appreciate Smear that you did bring us an Indian film. Like I I. I think that is important to, to to see films from you know all over the world uh, india included i think i've only ever seen like one other and it was definitely more like a bollywood type you know so this right. this wasn't you know this wasn't something i honestly you know like within my like purview of what comes out of you know like a like a like India's cinema so i i, I do really appreciate that um, the largest film and I, and industry I'm,
3: in the world and we right. i'm saying it's the largest then we True. don't really we get like a really um like specific view of it so that that
1: was part of the the agenda yeah. but yeah go no, on and again in, in Definitely more sense, gritty than i'm used yeah. to with that type of indian films <laughs> in I've that
0: watched. sense i really do uh appreciate it and like sam i th- there was i think a lot to like with this film i think my gripe is slightly different like i actually really enjoyed the first segment i thought the first segment was probably my favorite of the three um just because i it felt like the most uh it was the easiest one to grasp, I guess, in terms of what I was trying to do, um but I, what I don't love, and I think this is sort of where you and I just kind of differ, maybe very overtly allegorical stories, and I think that's what i didn't I didn't love I don't love like the idea of like you know like oh the the photographer who's blind and is able to see like like it's a it's an interesting premise on paper, but when it plays out, it just feels a little too perfect and like and it, like, um, uh, and again, like, it it plays too much like an allegory for it to ever feel real. And and obviously, it is an allegory. It's trying to represent this ship Ch- of Theseus, uh, uh, paradox. I guess would be the word you you'd use for it. That is an interest is interesting and is tied together a little bit at the end. I think in a somewhat interesting way. But it, yeah, the like the allegorical approach just I find to be a little um, I guess on the nose would be the word. That's and, fair. And therefore, like, removed from. Like it doesn't feel—it's hard to feel authentic once you pick up on me. I think it, it feels like that
2: because I, I agree. Because it, it I, I does was a, gonna say, I—I I feel like it.
1: Dan, you like to? Go? Is
2: your sense of on-the-nose comes with the fact that it's—it's it's called *Ship of Theseus*, and they give and right. they want you to be like outline, the story thing. and the cool title sequence of, by of the it, way, like, right off the beginning. So, like, I—I I didn't really know much about it. Uh, I did after they. Gave that brief explanation in the beginning. I did read up a little bit on it. And then, which made me just watch for the allegory the entire time. What were you going to say, Sam?
1: The characters almost just seem like a vessel for the overall like thought experiment that this movie is trying to go to. And while it is a very interesting thought, it's the movie is more about the thought rather than it being like a movie that also deals with this thought. I don't know if I'm like making that super clear, but it's like the characters are, I mean, like, frankly, I I didn't find many of the characters all that interesting. And it's more about like a fly on the wall, seeing them just go through a journey i don't like, know like i think I just, there
0: are some individual lines of dialogue in this movie that are really strong but when i when i sit back and take it in as a whole i'm like what does this movie say about the ship of theseus paradox beyond oh there like it exists and it's a thing it's something to think about interestingly like,
2: you guys like the first and third one the most because i actually like the middle one the most <laughs> i thought i thought some there of, you go <laughs> We'll Put us that. together
1: and we love the yeah, movie. Actually, I like I, the middle one the I, most, yeah. too. I don't know why I said the third. Different the middle part, one's yeah. the best one. The, 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 the middle organs. part,
2: I thought, if if it was going to go all in on kind of its, its theme with the ship of Theseus and what it was going for, I think that the middle section fleshed that out the best. I was the most um, intrigued by his character and just how existential some of the dialogue got. Um, my problem with the first one, I right around with the point where I, w- I was starting to get invested into her as a character. I didn't know it at the start of this that it was three stories either. Um, right, right around that part uh, where she gets her sight back and she's starting to question like, was this like the right choice? I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be. I'm interested to see where this goes. And then it goes to the next story. And I was like. Are we going to return to that? Or or is this another. What's going on here? So I do feel like. As soon as I was about to get to a, a point of satisfaction. With the first story. It. Pulled me away from it. Um, And I did like the, the last story too. Definitely. the The second, third and into the conclusion. I thought uh worked really well. For me, I thought the the first story was just a bit too out of I don't want to say out of place because it fits in with the allegory, but it it was to- tonally. Yeah, I was going to say tonally, tonally it, was very, it, was way it was different.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to to uh That's Yes, yeah, so I wanted to That's completely the, fair.
3: My my well, I was just going to say how I kind of land with the stories is that I I would honestly say the third might be my favorite just because like the idea of um meeting someone who's like like I think it's the kidney right like somebody's organ that was taken from them and then you meet them like that is such a wild situation I don't think I've seen that in any other movie I've seen in terms I, I of think like the third meeting one the
0: person is where, when I said there were individual dialogue lines of dialogue that I like. The third one, like some of the conversations amongst the family members I thought were really profound. I, and insightful. I also
3: And I, I do agree with what you guys have to say about it kind of because I guess my criticism of this is that like some of the scenes go on for like a bit too long where it kind of marinates in a moment, which I actually do like, but it adds an it kind it adds a kind of unnecessary bloat to the whole thing. I I think this movie is good like it definitely needs editing. I think easily like forty-five minutes of this movie can be chopped down to make a more concise uh, final product. That being said, I think some of the moments where it sits in in some of the images, especially when that like narrow car passage with the um with the alleyway, I really enjoyed some of the imagery there and the kind of visual metaphor to um what it was doing with that.
0: I and got some Terrence Malick. In terms of, uh, yeah, from different spaces yeah. and stuff, There might be a like a, a lazy comparison, but uh, there were specific moments that I thought the sunlight no, I, and the I, I definitely space did too. Malik esque
1: yeah, and I, I, I up Mumbai in a very cool way.
3: I was just really drawn to the imagery completely in this movie. Like even from the trailer, like what made me even like I probably wouldn't have given this movie a second thought, but I saw the trailer and I was like, whoa! I saw like five. Super cool shots in a trailer, so I have to watch this movie so i am really glad I did um the uh the other thing is I definitely see the i guess the main consensus in terms of the criticism seems to be that like it's a it's a concept like this concept of you have if all the parts are taken out of the hole and you rearrange them is that is the identity retained, which is a really interesting concept, and when you get down to turning that into a um into a film it definitely veers on the allegorical and symbolic and it feels a little hypocritical for me to even like enjoy that about the film because i've shat on i'm never or i'm thinking of ending things or uh maybe some other of the <laughs> i mean dude this is cough- mean, not,
0: not to keep my streak yeah, alive this is very cough man not to keep my streak alive but this is basically what i hate so much about soul is it's just like it takes <laughs> it takes the uh um, like your premise and or it takes your theme and, that you want to get to by the end of the movie and, is, and just, and makes it makes it that the,
3: so. and I think what redeems that for me, like some of the maybe on the noseness, which I think is balanced by some really smart dialogue at places that really kind of um adds new layers to whatever they are being on the nose about is the imagery the saving factor. If this movie was shot in a dull kind of straightforward way I I wouldn't like it as much.
0: Well, that, that I think that leads nicely into our into our, our sort of bow on the night, which is will that be next week? Will you get another chance to 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 recommend a movie to the group? Uh are we, do you guys think we're ready to vote is there anything that should happen beforehand?
1: Well, Samir should, should Samir should say how confident he feels. Oh yeah, yeah, so do, do you
0: think he'll be around next week to to recommend a film?
3: I think I've said my piece. I've come to peace with it. Um but what I will say is that uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what turns out. I've never seen Survivor myself. Is this the moment where we cue music or something like that? Or are I'll, we gonna I'll add I'll that edit in, in? some Yeah,
0: music yeah. Right here? The, you definitely the, like should do the uh, the, the uh, voting music. But my what? final we word is. should Open the episode am, with the tribal voices. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! God, that was so thank beautiful you. Corey. Thank you. I, I can just record it for us if you'd rather just do that instead. <laughs> An acapella I should've of actually it. That sounds I really should have cool. at the top of the episode instead of like you know saying hello, welcome, I should have just started going, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think people who haven't watched Survivor would be like, what the fuck is this? Like, happening is my Spotify right broken?
0: <laughs> what the hell's going on? Um
1: <laughs> Who's this angelic voice?
0: Yeah, so you know, yeah, let's. Dude, this this doesn't happen in survivor but i do think you know it's worth it maybe very very briefly uh, everyone can kind of just make one final little pitch for their safety tonight as we move into our vote and just to, for the for the listeners at home do too, it in the order uh this is how we're going to vote as well as what we're going to do is we're going to mute our we, we, we run this podcast over discord you know get to hear the sausages made a little bit we run this on discord and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to mute ourselves we're going to announce to you the listeners at home who we're voting for. We should probably turn our cameras off as well, guys, so that way you can't read lips. You can't read any lips. Okay. Um, And then we're also, again, this is where the survivor part comes in is we're writing down on a piece of paper who we're voting for, and then we're going to show it to the camera, which is what they actually do on the show. Uh, and then we, we will see who, who is eliminated for Wait, for next so, competition. For, for... Okay,
2: guys. So one, thi- I th- one thing should go without saying, I do really think Robin Williams' performance in this is great. It's it's very hap- happy, very joyful. You may not agree necessarily that he was a super well-developed character, uh, but th- with that aside too, I also think that the, the stars of this movie are, are the boys, specifically uh, Ethan Hawke and the boy that played Neil Perry. I mean, I think both of their arcs are very good, especially Neil Perry's. in uh, The way this film is directed and shot the the music I I do really think that there is a lot of great stuff in this movie Um, maybe not all of its for everyone but in the end I do think that it is a movie that you certainly will remember if it may unfortunately it may not just be for or it may be because of the suicide scene but I do think there are things in this movie you will remember
0: Alright, Sam. Mommy. Cool.
1: So that takes it to me. Um, uh, Loyal members of the podcast, Uh, I think Mommy is absolutely a spectacular movie for a lot of reasons. Fantastic acting, fantastic directorial decisions, the cinematography is amazing, Um, but really what will make Mommy, I think, stand the test of the time are the characters, I think. The characters are so nuanced. Their relationships with them are so varied and layered. And there is just, you know, it's just really one of the most beautiful movies ever made. There's nothing really else for me to say it. So vote mommy or don't vote mommy. Specifically, don't vote mommy. Yeah, I really. That very clear. Don't vote mommy <laughs> because bo- mommy is good. Okay. Hate speech.
0: Yes, yeah, so this Corey. brings it to me, and Memories of Murder, I, we should, I think, before we sign off tonight, uh, also, all briefly just give our, our rankings of, of the films as a whole. Yeah. Uh, it probably, might go out, this might go without saying, but this is definitely my my favorite film of of the group. I think it is the best entry in its genre, maybe ever, like, I feel that strongly about it, I think it is pretty much the perfect detective crime thriller. Uh, and again, we just talked about some of the ways that it it impacted society beyond just being a great film. I think it speaks to just how unique of a film this is, how great of a director Bong Joon Ho is. And I'm feeling pretty safe, so I, was, okay, I guess I'm, I'm really just gloating more than anything. But uh, I'm I, I <laughs> <Asshole. that, so. laughs> the asshole. It's, it's the one that I deserve to be an asshole. Last time I recommended a movie, I think my episode was a little uh, underwhelming. So I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm really trying to to rub it in this time. <laughs>
3: Hey man, right, Samir, bring us uh, everyone loves a good underdog story. And uh, <laughs> what I what I what I will say is that I'm glad that um, I was able to showcase a different side of a movie industry. And if you want to see someone shake it up next time and be the be the voice of contrast, you know, vote me in. So we'll see what happens.
2: Alrighty, so, unfortunately tonight, during this Survivor session, I have to vote off Samir. As much as it pains me to say, Ship of Theseus, I thought it was beautifully shot, and I thought there was a lot of great content in there, however, a decent amount of the movie did not do it for me, and... hate to see samir go i I really i feel bad but see if theseus it definitely was my least favorite of the three that i
1: had watched sorry samir so my vote is for samir um i tried to be as positive as i could when reviewing his it's just um it's a little dull. I'm going to be honest. I was a little bored throughout. Um, and I think it falls victim to being too much about its theory, uh, and premise rather than an actual cohesive movie. Um, I will say that Dane got very lucky, um, that Samir recommended a movie I did not like as much because I think Uh, Dead Poets was the weakest, the second weakest of this, and Dane could have easily gone home tonight. But my vote is for Samir. Samir, I vote
0: to eliminate you. I think that Ship of Theseus was a good movie. No one brought a bad movie to me. But like I said, the allegorical approach just didn't work for me. Love you, bud. But I'm starting to think you and I just don't see eye to eye on some of these movie recommendations. Fortunately, I I can't give you another chance to recommend one. I'm trying to win it.
1: Ba 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 ba, ba 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 ba.
3: So I will be So I will be casting my vote for Memories of a Murder. Um Listen, I think for me this movie was just um just not my to my personal taste in terms of detective crime thrillers. It's probably a great version of the genre or a great entry into the genre. I just personally found it a bit drier. Um, Maybe I would benefit from a rewatch, but this genre has never really done it for me, so it was just outside of my personal taste. Um, And I found a lot of it kind of dull and dry. Um, But again, maybe a rewatch would help that, but my vote is for Memories of a Murderer.
1: Alrighty. Alright,
0: guys. Shall we reveal our votes?
1: And the person (laughs) going home is
0: three, two, one. Reveal. Oh, I forgot. I wrote. Oh my god. I forgot forgot the whole backwards aspect of it, but hopefully it's.
1: Wait, Samir, who is yours for? (laughs) Mine
3: says memories of a murder. Corey. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, you voted Corey. I'm shocked I did not. Wow. One vote. I'm shocked. By
0: a vote of three to one, Samir has been eliminated from the competition.
3: So, do I give like a going home speech? Like a brief. Just 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 be like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I will be back. <laughs> um, no. So, because everyone will announce their movies for next time, and I don't get to do so, I will announce a movie that I was so close to picking for this round that will be my spiritual pick. If you guys get time, uh, please watch this movie. We, we won't talk about it next week, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. It's a movie that I had brought up before in the group chat. And it's baby teeth, so that's a movie that I'm. That is. Near the I'm more I confident. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm more confident. You will be a that's lot really, more really good. touched and moved by that. And I say moved. Remember me saying moved because <laughs> that movie is a powerhouse. So if you get a chance this week, watch uh baby teeth, and um, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on it because that was gonna be my pick. But I, then again, I would I would rue the day. If I didn't if I didn't submit my ship of Theseus. But hey, my my run on Survivor has been good and uh I don't know. It'll be an interesting game between Dane, Corey, and Sam. Who will I come mean, final on the top? Four ain't you You got
1: you got the to the top four. Like <laughs> I, a lot of of say, say the same. the the
3: I'm I'm in the I'm in the top fourth quartile yeah you know
0: this won't mean <laughs> anything to non-survivor fans but in essence you just lost the fire making challenge so that, that okay. that's okay yeah, like that that's is, a noble effort close. um that is just a to noble be, just to be word. clear i'll chalk that, that up as a win just to be clear samir will still be you know watching along with us and uh, right yeah i believe voting along with us although we're gonna kind of hammer out the, the he'll probably yeah. vote do we uh, have and yes yeah, so a full participant, just he won't be one of the, the recommenders for next. week. Do but yeah, sure. I thought this was pretty fun. I think it's gonna be a fun, it's be a fun finish. I think uh, obviously the competition is only gonna ramp up from episode to episode, so it should be a fun it's... one. <laughs> Apology to Samir, you put up a good fight, but Shipaithis uh, just couldn't bring yes, it home. Yeah. Uh this in in the spirit of this being a Survivor episode, I'm gonna uh, borrow a little bit of a sign off from Jeff Probst. You know, so this has been it's all filming games. I'm Corey, alongside me is Sam Smear and Dane. Grab your stuff, head back to camp. Good night. (laughs)